Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. All right. Well, I think uh, Chris did pretty well, I think. You know, I think he did great. I was just so encouraging hearing Chris. Uh, and he did a great job of kind of just kind of setting us up for this place of this place of what we expect and what we don't expect. And when there's a gap, what that does to us. And, you know, when Jesus came, they had expected him. When they were looking for this Messiah that was coming, they were longing for. They said, you know, they, they kind of had an idea of how he might come, how he might live, and, you know, what he did. And pretty much everything he did blew their expectations up. It was a whole different way of looking at it. And, and many people miss Jesus because of that, because it's so radical the way Jesus' kingdom is and how we view a kingdom and what that would look like. And so, you know, as, as the, even like the religious leaders who had all the prophecies and all that, they tried to put together, they completely missed Jesus, almost all of them. Even the disciples, you think about this, three years of asking questions and hearing teachings and watching things take place, and they're thinking, when's the turn going to take where it becomes this king that becomes powerful and political and can overthrow the Romans? And they couldn't get it until after Pentecost, I think, that that's a, like it started coming up to make sense to them. And so, you know, they looked at this and these expectations, and we're just, the thing about expectations, all expectations, we're just wired to expect. Like in this room, we can't even count the numbers of things that you have expectations towards, right? And, you know, you don't even know you have them. You just have to have them. We're wired that way. So, you know, we have expectations towards your marriage. Those who are married know how that goes when that doesn't cross the right way, right? Expectations of how your kids are going to be. That works out well, too. I, mean, I, I should serve as the user ones here. Oh, I don't know if there's any, like job expectations, physical expectations for well you should be physically, emotionally, how things are just going to happen. We all have expectations. You know, and then when they will happen, we have all these expectations. We even have expectations, expectations to how people should drive. Some of you experience that on the way over here, right? And when that doesn't happen, it becomes difficult, right? And so, as we look at this, the hard thing is, is when your expectations are different than the reality, it's that thing that many different illustrations show that. It, you know, the, the, left, the right side of that kind of shows what it feels like. And at that point, it's really easy to have this place where when expectations don't meet reality, you can go to a place of becoming hardened or angry or disappointed or just confused. You know, it talks in Proverbs about the hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, right? It's just talking about this place of expectations. What you hoped in doesn't happen. And yet we understand that oftentimes, you know, the reality of what's taking place isn't always how we expect it. And what, we, what God wants, though, is he, he's a God who wants to come in with the right side, the reality, and say, I want you to be able to see through new eyes and I want to start giving you hopes and expectations that don't disappoint and helping you through those things of pain, 
of the things that you lost because of expectations that weren't fulfilled. There's this amazing thing that God does for us in this place of when we get to this place of recognizing that we need someone to help us because reality isn't matching what we expected. And I think Chris did an amazing job of just speaking about this place of how unexpected the arrival was. You know, king of kings arrives how? Oh, in a stable wrapped in rags, right? I mean, it's just, it's just pretty simple. That's what, it's like, this wasn't what I was expecting. And then you think about it even further, it's like, and then what does he do right away? He has to leave the country <laughs> to keep from being killed. It just goes on from there. And so, as we look at this, is today what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about a different expectation, and we're going to talk about this expectation, if it clicks that way, this clicker. We have tried everything in this clicker. My expectations of this clicker was <laughs> this, and now I'm in reality at this moment, all right? So you can move it to the next slide if you want to, and I'll keep trying my clicker as you, you hopefully get that rebooted somehow. There you go. Is, we're going to talk about this unexpected rule and reign. Now, it's a little hard for us sometimes. You know, a rule and reign is what, when a king is ruling and reigning in power, and it is a righteous king, it equates and results in Things like security and peace and abundance and unity and justice and a place where the citizens feel connected and are a part and are blessed, right? And uh, those are the fruits of the kingdom. Now, rule and reign, it's, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, we have a hard time with rule and reign because we're Americans. And the only monarchy we have is the crown on Netflix, right? And uh, what we see, which is a lot of really good looking clothes and food and parades, but not much power or effect, right? So sorry, my British friends, uh, Paul and Timothy, but it's confusing to us, right, when we try to think of the rule and reign of kingdoms when we compare it to Britain. No offense. We can kind of imagine what it could have been, maybe. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that the way it really works is for a kingdom to operate, its monarchy means ruled by one, right? That's the whole thing. And it's this place of control or dominance over to rule with sovereign power or authority. And so what they were longing for deeply is for this king to come and to rule in power. You know, in, in Timothy it says, Blessed are the rulers, the king of kings, the lord of lords. He is the lord of lords and the king of kings, it talks about in Revelation. So they wanted that. Now, we're going to go to Isaiah on a very familiar passage during this time of year. Now imagine this. This is just always blows me away. 700 years or so, before Christ is on the scenes and is describing this king who is coming and his kingdom, it says, to us a child is born, to us a child is given, the government will be on his shoulders, 
And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom established and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. I said, yeah, they said, that's, that's the thing we want. But what they expected, how that was going to take place, where the government rests on this king was one king's shoulder. And then you look in this spot here, it's, it's, the government is mainly, he's totally in charge. You know, he, his government rests on his shoulder. All the governing rests on his shoulder and his authority. And then it goes on to talk about this whole place of the righteousness of the king they long for, that he is wonderful counselor. He's wise. He's mighty God. He's powerful, which brings security. He's everlasting. In other words, they're, they're used to kingdoms coming and going. This one will never be overthrown. It will last for an eternity. And he goes on to this place, it says, Father, you know, he, this king is, the best word they can come up with is Father. Someone who sees and loves and is faithful to and committed to and serves because they love their children and know how to help their children uh, thrive. They don't operate out of manipulation and fear and threat. They're motivated by the love of a father. They're approachable. And it goes on this place, Prince of Peace. His rule creates peace among one another, among those people who are submitted to that rule. So you look at that and you think, that's pretty good. And then it goes on talking about the kingdom is anchored in a couple things which are very close to the same, but righteousness and justice. It's fair. It's right. It's good. And those are the places in which the, the king rule and reign flows from. But in their mind, you have to realize they are trying to understand this, but they're thinking in the terms of geographic of land. They're thinking in the terms of political. And because they've had lots of kings, right? We've just read about that in Daniel. They've been through kings, Jewish kings that were good and bad. They've learned, you know, they've, they had, in exile, they've been under uh, King Neb. I mean, that guy was a bad dude, right? He, and, and you look at all the other ones they were under. They, they remember Pharaoh. <laughs> they remember all the one-person rules they've been under, but they're thinking it's not like that. In their mind, they're thinking, well, probably it's a bit more like King David, you know, because that was the golden years. That was the best they had. Kind of an analogy. I would say, I think they were thinking King David 2.0 or 2.3 or 2.4, like a, a, that, but a little bit better and eternal, right? So you have to understand, if they're thinking about rule and reign and how that happens, it comes with power because and it comes with overcoming their enemy. And so in their mind, they're under, you know, the emperor of Rome, which had some good things about Rome and government and civil law. But ultimately, you just don't want to get crucified. You know, the, the, the horrendous punishment and fear against the Roman government 
uh, if you didn't happen to step out of the box and not follow the rules, was cruel. And they were under this oppression, and they're thinking, oh, this king that we need, we can have this oppression lifted. And yet, that wasn't the rule and reign, and it was different than he expected. So the verse I want to talk about, which I think is just, again, fascinating to think this was close to the same by Isaiah, maybe about 50 years before, where, because uh, Jeremiah was written over quite a long period of time, depending on where you put it at. But it's talking about ahead of time, it's saying this is what's going to happen. There's going to be this kingdom of God, there's going to be this new covenant, and I'm going to describe to you prophetically what this will be. So we're going to use this kind of as our base scripture. It says, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. Their ancestors, he longed to be, it says, their husband. They refused and rejected him. And, and so this is speaking of the old covenant versus the new. And the new covenant, which Jesus the king will bring in, says it will not be like the covenant made with their ancestors when they took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke the covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after the time, declares the Lord. Now, I want you to look at this covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor, say to one another, know God, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive them, I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. This is the kingdom that we're under. And this, next one, if you go, I think he actually, I think, I think, I think I'm clicking it, but I think, I think Levi's just like right ahead of me. Next one. Click. All right. But now I want you to, let's go through this as we go. One back again. I'm not sure what happened there. Back up. There you go. Thank you. Um, let's look at this. This is what, how the king rules in his kingdom. He governs through the heart. He governs by actually coming close to us. And this is the whole thing is, the reason he can govern from the heart is because we are made right with him through the sacrifice of the king that allowed us to come into his presence. And then he comes with us and he puts his heart onto ours. All the things that govern us, the laws, the ways, that, the choices we make are actually put into our minds and put into our hearts. And he goes on to say, you know, before it was like everybody's trying to understand and know the Lord. We don't have to keep trying to help people try to understand or talk about the Lord anymore. We actually will know the Lord. We actually will know him. And, it's, and this was what's great about this kingdom. Here's who it's for, from the least to the greatest. It's for everyone. Everyone. And it's available to everyone because... He has fully forgiven us of our sins. 
And we are now in a place that we can allow him to come and dwell in our hearts because of, of his undeserved grace and forgiveness. Dallas Willard in The Renovation of the Heart talks about this truth. And here's, here's, the, here's the bigger truth. We expect God to rule externally. Sometimes even as believers, we expect it's supposed to be external, but he always goes for our heart. He's always ruling. His goal is to rule us internally. Dallas Ware says, the, revelation of, the, the revolution of Jesus is the first place in continuously revolution of a human heart and spirit. It did not and does not proceed by means of formation of social institution, laws, outer forms of existence, intending that these would impose good order of life upon people who come under that power. Rather, it is a revolution of character which proceeds by changing people from the inside through an ongoing personal relationship with God in Christ and to one another. It is the one, it is one that changes the ideas, beliefs, feelings, and habits of choice, as well as our body tendencies and our social interactions. It penetrates the deepest layers of our soul. And so, when Jeremiah prophesied, he said, the whole thing is, they will be my people. They will be a part of me. But they missed it because they were thinking that it was just external is how he's going to rule. And often, if you look even in the interactions with all the religious leaders, it's, what's the problem? Their hearts were not being ruled. They wouldn't allow God to penetrate their heart with his rule. Now, the thing about this is that these characteristics of the kingdom, I, I, Paul actually, you know, had a little bit, you know, next one if you would, the, Paul had this other thing that he talked about in Ephesians when he went to the Ephesians. The Ephesians, he said this in Ephesians 6, uh, excuse me, 3, 16 through 18. He's praying for the Ephesians. And what he's praying for is like, what you need is inward transformation. That's what you need. And he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Is that good? You know, there's a, there's a song that we have not s sung for quite a while. And, um, and it just expresses it so well. It's by Brenton Brown. It says, Over all the earth you reign on high, every mountain stream, every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my only aim, is that you reign in me again. Lord, reign in, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. 
because you are the Lord of all I am. So I won't, so won't you reign in me again. And over every thought and over every word, may my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. Because you mean more to me than any earthly things, so won't you reign in me again. Next verse, the chorus is, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour, because you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? We're made and designed, even as Americans, to be under the rule and reign of our Creator. And our life will flourish as we yield in increasing our heart being completely open to that rule and reign. So I'm going to go to the next slide. What is this? So how does that look? Let me, let me, let's, let's play this out a little bit more. What, is it, what does it mean? Like, what, what can we expect as we have this rule and reign take place? And again, the best way to describe you know, Jesus, we talk often in John 10, 10. You know the story, right? The enemy came to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. That's what we're in right now. But I came in the middle of all that warfare to bring you, to give you life and life to the full. The way that you get to life to the full is greater and greater degrees of yielding and letting God rule and reign the core of who you are. That's it. And yet we have a place that we find ourselves resisting in that. But the good news about this, though, is as we look at this, I just put these verses we kind of touched on together, and we're just going to point out a few things to help us kind of understand, like, what does this feel like as we yield? Now, right, as, as I talk about that, you automatically can understand how there's this other thing in you that is fighting, yielding giving yourself fully to something like that? Like how, you know, there's, a, there's an internal battle that's going on. But it is so good. It's life of the full. Here's what it looks like. First off, it, everybody, this is for everybody. And I say that because I often hear people as a pastor kind of feel like, I must not have the DNA for this Christian thing. You guys are all into these things. I'm not really, I, I hear that a lot. And you may feel that way, but that's not true. This is for everyone. You know, it's not for certain special people. It's not for people who do particular things better than others. It's for anyone. In fact, the more messed up you are, the better chance you have of entering. Right? So you're in good company. You think, I'm not sure how to do this. Every one of you, from the least to the greatest, this is what it's for. And I'm going to start with the first part that talks in Jeremiah. The entry point of this ruling and reigning is letting him forgive you. Letting him, coming to him and receiving and with your sin and the mess-ups you've had and allowing him to fully forgive you. Now, don't get me wrong. I've learned as I've been a Christian. I became a Christian. I thought, I know he's forgiven me. 
And every time I get closer to him, I realize he forgave me more than I thought. And I understand the depths of that forgiveness. But the entry point is a place of understanding that. Because again, here's what often happens in our, our minds when we start thinking about this place of fully yielding to the rule and reign of God. You go, man, I got to get a few things cleaned up before he comes in. Right? I mean, we, we can theologically say that's crazy, we know that, but it's still a spot like I need to get to a point that I can actually do this right. And that's not how you enter. You enter in a space of coming before God with your need and your sin so he can undeservedly forgive you fully and make you justified and make you righteous. And now you know, reign in me, God. Not because what I am deserves it, because I know I'm right before you and I know that's what you have done so that you can reign in me. It's a promise for everyone. Now, I think the other part is this, this place of, and I'm just saying on this whole thing of forgiveness. You know, that's how you enter and that's how you continue. You know, just as you receive Christ, walk in Him that same way, right? If we confess our sins, He reminds us, Paul reminds us, if we confess our sins, He's what? Faithful and what? Just. He did the price. It's just. It's not, you're not hiding things from Him. He knows it all. He's forgiven you to forgive us of all unrighteousness and to cleanse us, right? This is the way we live. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I had an experience in which that God began just saying to me over and over, I've forgiven you. And I thought, I know. And he didn't seem like I knew, because he just kept saying it. Until finally, I started breaking down and receiving different degrees of forgiveness, right? So even if you know Jesus, and he's not home forgiven, I'm telling you, if you really understood how much you're forgiven, which we will someday fully, but God wants to show you that to deeper levels. The other part is this, is this place where he's a wonderful counselor. The last couple days, my wife can confirm this, I have been a bit difficult to be around. I don't know what's going on with me. I still don't, quite honestly, know what's going on with me. And I'm tired of being an emotional person. And I just want to get on with things. I'm tired of pain. I'm tired of things going on. I'm just tired of it. I have a lot of things. And I cannot even figure out what it is. So I'm thinking, all right. So I get up and I feel this slight nudge like, Talk to Debbie. I don't want to talk to Debbie, but this wonderful counselor seemed to be graciously asking me to, so I, I talked to Debbie. And all of a sudden, I started getting a hold of it. And it didn't make it better, but it made it out there more, right? And it was good that I talked to Debbie. And Debbie basically said, <laughs> this is actually very spiritual advice, but I think it's practical too. You need to get out of the house, which could mean two things. I need to get out of the house, and she needs me out of the house because she's wanting to have a good day. <laughs> and I'm just like a wreck. I'm still a wreck, actually, right now. The difference is, is that, that 
as I go through the day, I'm just pretty well, I'm not singing rain in me, trust me. I'm just thinking, don't, don't hurt that guy who just talked to you on the service desk. You know, and that, that's the kind of things I'm just, I'm just trying to not, you know, uh, do something bad. And yet, I'm, I'm throwing out these prayers of, I, I don't want to escape this. I want you to help me, right? I don't, but I don't know what to do with it. And then, I remember there's this one point I just started to check out. And I felt like I said, do you want to do that? And I kind of said, yeah, but I won't. And over time, last night he gave me some dreams that were me worshiping and crazy stuff. I'm still a wreck, but here's what, here's what came to my mind. I, I, the king of kings followed me around and just waited for me to have a spot that I kind of halfway yielded to him because he so longs for me to be helped as a father. I got a wonderful counsel that, that stayed with me the whole day in case there was an opportunity that I'd close, open my heart up. You know, this place of he's a, he's a father. No, he's... We, we, we enter the kingdom. We enter his realm. We don't enter it by raising ourselves up. We enter it by becoming a child. When Jesus had all the kids around him, he said... He said to the little children, come to me. Don't hinder them. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. This is upside down. This is how you receive the rule and reign is not when you get it together. It's when you need your father. In this place of prince of peace, we see this throughout the scripture. Jesus says, by the way, I know this world is really tough. But I want to give you a peace that's not of this world. Paul talks about if we pray about everything, the prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, no matter what request we need to know, and what happens? The peace of Christ, what does it do? Rules our heart. Peace rules. And then the whole thing of upholding justice and righteousness. You know, How's he going to do that, you know, without threats and fear? He does it through coming to know him. And as we come to know him, we start having what he sees and believes in and understanding the laws written on our heart. We, we begin see, having the same heart as he does. You know, when I first became a Christian in this place of, like, when I first became a Christian, it was wild because I thought, I don't think I care about anybody. I mean, I had, I looked at my life like, I, I, I remember thinking about, let's think of the last three years. I, I mean, it sounds terrible. I, I had to act nice because I didn't want people to hate me, but I only love people to get something back. That's it. I don't think I cared about anybody. I honestly, I thought, this is crazy. And then when I found myself in this kind of switch, and all of a sudden, I start thinking about, oh, I, I have to treat 
my girlfriends differently. I, I didn't ever think about how badly I was treating every girlfriend I had. You didn't want to date me back then at all, right? But, but when I started having Jesus, I started seeing this place of like, oh, I, should, I have to do that. Because it wasn't because I read some law or someone told me. All of a sudden, I began seeing things in a way that I didn't before. The way I treated people and the way I talked to people and the way I judged people, I had everybody categorized. I had names and I, I put them all in camps so I could be better. And then all of a sudden that started shifting. I had compassion. I hadn't had compassion before. And it wasn't because anything I'd done. It's only because I was experiencing coming to know God. So, you know, when you begin yielding to God, you actually, it means that you begin knowing Him. That's why it's right in the same, I write in my heart. Why? Because you're around me, you actually know me. And when you know God, who God is starts becoming part of who you are. Because you love because you've first been loved. You're faithful because He's so faithful, Right? The last part I just think is that the, the mark of a strong kingdom, rule and reign, is power and love. That's the mark of the kingdom. I don't know about you, those are the two things I need in my life. You know, Vineyard used to be, every book they had had power on it, but we had this one song, it says, more power, more love, more of you in my life. I worship you. That pretty well summarizes it. I need more power, and I need more love. And so when you look at people, if you've watched somebody that you've seen who really is connected to God, and you watch them, and the way they love and serve, and the way that they pray for people, and this power and this love is coming out of them in their life, and you go, they, how do they do that? They may not even know how to theologically describe it, but they've put themselves under the rule and the reign of the king. That's where it comes from. That's what brings it. And that's what allows us to be the light to the world.